We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm the captivating, motivating, tantalating, and money making Dr. Carl Bourne Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paul Chang here. Paul, say what's up to the people. What's up to the people? What's up? What's up? Every time I hear that Dr. Carl Bourne Jr., it just feels right. You know, it just feels right. So, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the second episode of season three. I'm happy to be here. Yes, sir. So, I mean, at this point, you guys know it's been almost two years that we've been doing OTC and it should be no surprise that every episode is about bringing you guests that upgrade your business, your brand, your life, whatever you're looking for, we got this week is no exception. With that being said, today's guest is a regular contributor to Forbes.com and the owner of Quest Education, a company that helps entrepreneurs obtain capital for their companies, pay off high interest debt, and use self-directed retirement accounts to invest in alternative assets. With over 10 years of education and small business owners, he has a knack for helping individuals get creative with their finances that lead to life-changing results. Under his leadership, Quest Education has reached a seven-figure mark two years in a row. That's major with a thousand customers throughout the U.S. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. We have Mr. Daniel Blue in the building. Yes, sir. The intro music. I appreciate the introduction, gentlemen. And uh, I, I love, uh, it feels like I'm getting in a boxing ring right now. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's, it's no problem at all. We got to make sure we, we, we bring you in right. So we want to be respectful of your time. Of course, we know Oh, you're a busy gentleman. And we always kind of like to start with why, right? Because a lot of who you are and what you do, it, it, it really stems from your why. And so the very first question we want to ask you is just why did you choose to pursue the field that you're in? You know, I, I wish I had this cool Gary Vee story where like out the womb, I came out hustling and was an entrepreneur. Um, and, and I'm sure some of the people listening to this right now, like, Maybe you've always thought like I was meant to be a business owner. Like that's my calling. Um, that wasn't me. I, uh, you know, I'm 33. I'll be 33 years old. And, uh, you know, I own a company with uh, about 13 employees. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's a good time. It's, it's not easy. Entrepreneurship can be um, on social media made out to be like, it's just perfect. And, you know, it's a breeze. And, um, you know, we know entrepreneurship is, is a grind and uh, there's a lot of ups and downs. Some days it feels like there's more downs. Um, but for me, I just take it back to my childhood. Uh, when I was 12 years old, my parents got divorced and uh, I feel like a lot of things were stripped from me. And, and I say that because I was really close with my dad. And uh, when I was 12, he moved to Mexico um, when they divorced, my mom, my mom and him. And uh, my dad was like my, my, my homie. He was my soccer coach, basketball coach. Like, we, we were really tight. And, and he just abruptly left and didn't tell me why. And we just he communicated. We didn't have any kind of relationship. So I really struggled with that. It was just me and my mom now. And um, you know, I started struggling uh, in school, kind of seeking. I was 
influenced pretty easily since I was trying to kind of find myself when I was a teenager, middle school, high school, hanging out the wrong crowds, and uh, just saw my mom struggling financially. And I just realized, like, man, I don't want to be living this life as I get older. Um, sports was something that I feel saved me. Um, I played soccer, basketball growing up. I was never always the most talented on the team, uh, but I just had a, a natural way of being a leader. I was usually the captain on a lot of the teams. Uh, but I do uh, attribute sports to a big reason why I, hear, I am here today. And, uh, you know, just kind of fast forward, I, I barely graduated high school, like, like really barely graduated. And um, a lot of that had to do with just attendance issues. But I graduated high school and I just stumbled into sales. I just found sales at 18 years old. And uh, I just started crushing it. Um, I made uh, almost uh, over 90,000 my first year. I was 18 years old. I was in the real estate space. And then the next year I made six figures. And I started to figure out like, okay, sales is a way out. And um, made a lot of mistakes in my my late teens. Um, Ended up having a daughter when I was 18 years old. Um, Got addicted to Oxycontin um, and uh, dropped out of college. And uh, so failed a ton. Uh, but just looking back, sales was kind of like a training ground for entrepreneurship. If, if you're a business owner right now or you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, sales. And, and when I say sales, I'm talking about everything, networking, building relationships, communicating with your team, explaining your vision. Of course, closing the deal is sales. However, there's a lot more to sales. And uh, a lot of that helped me when I was 18, 19, 20. Um, I use a lot of the things I learned back then as um, what I do right now, being a business owner for the last three years. I, I like, uh, first of all, sales is everything. Because if you figure out to sell, <laughs> you figure out sales, you're going to succeed very quickly. Um, something I got to ask you too is because I think there's a certain mindset that you had early on too, um, where I think a lot of people don't unfortunately get the opportunity to either explore it one or two really discover it within themselves right so for you obviously you're coming out of school you're like I just got to get out I got to figure out the thing that gets me to that next step what about it what about being in sales especially while you had your daughter while you were addicted right what about it stuck out to you that said like this is a thing that's going to get me to the next level and what were maybe some of like your top two three success habits that allowed for you to grow year over year. Yeah, I mean, I think you you touched on it. Um, the mentality, the mindset, for me, it was just the sheer will to win. Um, I think, and I try to instill that in, in my daughter, who's 12 years old, um, I think our society could use a lot more of that. Uh, there's a lot of complacency, uh, a lot of people settling, a lot of people complaining about their situation. And I look back and, and again, I go back to sports, to win like I didn't want to lose right so that was instilled in me when I was 8 9 10 11 12 and I remember my first job at 16 years old I was a grocery clerk um making six dollars and 75 cents an hour but I actually made six dollars and 25 cents an hour because that damn union took 50 cents an hour for me and I still don't know what the union did for me right but I was making six bucks an hour 16 years old and my responsibilities entailed corralling the shopping carts, bagging groceries, sweeping the floors, doing grunt work, right? But my mentality was like, I was going to be the best. And I looked at the dudes that had like the best, the grocery store chain that I worked for, like you knew the managers, the, the ballers, because they had brown vests, right? Like you just knew they, they you know, they're the, the, the chip. And I was just like, dude, 
I want to be that. Like, so everywhere I've been, the, the few companies I've worked for, I've always seen like who's at the top. And I'm like, dude, I want, what are they doing? Like, they study them. What do they, they have something I, I don't have. So like, I want what they have. Right. So, you know, it's a combination of a lot, right? Like you can work your tail off and, and show up early and stay late. However, if you don't have that like killer mentality of wanting to be the best and just not be average, um, you know, I, I think you got to combine a few things like that to, you know, be a part of. So you're also an author. You have your book, Blueprint to Your Best Retirement. Talk to us a little bit about the origin of that and, and, and how you were able to kind of formulate that together. What was the inspiration behind making that book? Yeah. So, you know, the problem we solve in the marketplace is we help people access money in their retirement account penalty and tax free. Uh, there's a big myth out there that a lot of Americans, they are led to believe by Wall Street, by our government, that if you've got a 403B, maybe you're in the hospital sector, a 401k, IRA, that that money is not accessible. You can't touch that money until you are retired. And if you want to touch it now, you either can't or you're going to pay a buttload in penalties and taxes to the IRA. That's not true. Uh, there's some IRS approved ways to get your hand on your retirement account money and not pay penalties and taxes and use that money to do some cool things like maybe fund your business. Like maybe you are in corporate or you just left corporate. You want to start this business. We know getting funding for a business is never an easy thing. And the idea of using a retirement account penalty and tax free to start your business, live out your dream, like that appeals to you. Um, you can do that. Um, so there's a lot of you know, different things that you can do, you know, in, in, in that arena. So, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we've got over a thousand customers in, in all 50 states that we've been able to help set up these, these really cool retirement plans. And more and more people, when we tell them, hey, did you know you can access your money penalty tax-free? Like, they're like deer in a headlight. What? What do you mean? How come my financial advisor never told me this? How come my CPA never told me this? How come I haven't heard of this? So the information needs to get out there. And the best way to do that is to speak to the masses. Writing a book seemed overwhelmed to me. I didn't know anyone in my family that wrote a book. So I was like, really, what? How do I do this? Um, mentor programs, uh, masterminds have been something I've been investing into the last few years. That's been a game changer for me. Allowed me to put myself in rooms uh, that granted I had to pay for, but I wouldn't have been around the caliber of people that help me see a vision where I'm in a room full of other people that are authors, that are public speakers, that are doing seven figures, eight figures a year in business, that have 50 employees, 100 employees. Again, back to what I mentioned earlier, finding people to have that have what you want, right? Like you want to hang around people that are doing things bigger and better than you, except that you can stretch your mind, right? So, you know, a lot of that played a, a role in me writing a book and, you know, funny little funny story. Um, and this is me just being real with you guys. Like I started this book in July of 2019, started it. And, you know, there's things that we start in life, guys, where something happens, right? It's almost like you make this declaration, you're going to start something big in your life. I'm going to go on this diet or, you know, I'm going to stop doing this or I'm going to do this, right? Like you make a post on Facebook, tell your homies, tell your friends, like, you know, you're, you're making, you know, this, this big announcement from the, the mountaintops, right? And then the universe is like, oh, yo, you're going to do that? Like, let's test you. Let's see how bad you really want it. And that's what happened with me. There were some life things that happened, both personally and business back in 2019. The year finished. 
I got like 50% of the way done. I was like, all right, man, I'll finish it in Q1 of 2020. Then Rona happened, right? And I was like, oh, I'll finish it later. And that shit did not get done. And what finally got me to get that thing done was in Q2 of this of, of 2021, um, I did a program called 75 Heart. And for those of you that may know 75 Heart, there's a, a badass dude by the name of Andy Frisella. He's out in uh, Missouri and he's got some, some really, really awesome companies. And he put together this, this lifestyle program basically for 75 days straight. You have to drink a gallon of water, read 10 pages of, of, of a book a day, no alcohol, stick to a diet, take a picture of yourself and do two workout routines every single day for 75 days. So I did that. And when you do something like that, man, like you don't take any BS. Like you're so intentional with your time. And at that point, I'm like feeling really good. I'm like, dude, I, I need to conquer this. Like, I need to make this happen. So in the middle of 75 hard, I just buckled down. Um, I worked with my editor, got banged it out, got it done. And, uh, you know, thankfully, I was able to get that out to the public and ended up getting bestseller. And uh, the book just is a real simple, easy to digest book on how to access your retirement account penalty and tax free. And the goal was to make it nice, short, easy to digest. Anyone can pick it up and get value. And, uh, you know, that was the goal there. So many things I want to touch. That 75 hard is crazy. So Did you do <laughs> I salute it? you. I'm, I'm doing a 90 day version of it. But instead of two okay. workouts, I'm doing one workout a day. But everything okay. is still the same. Yeah, that's still, uh, I started it four still. times. So I'll just let you sit there with it. <laughs> um, but no, let, let's actually kind of dig a little deeper into it. Because I think a lot of people are hearing this too. And some people may not know some of the technicalities behind it, right? So I know obviously as we're talking, like every time you say 403B, I think about a 503B, right? And like, you know, I know that's like when you're setting aside for kids, but let's kind of get into the nitty gritty of like, when people need to think about this stuff, especially the topic of, and this is this is gonna be one of my favorite ones, how to be your own bank, right? The, the concept of how to be your own bank and be able to set it up, especially in the family and how to be able to fund it for you. How do people actually go through that process? One kind of describe to us just the different uh, tax accounts and then two, just how somebody goes through that process to be their own bank. Yeah, so like, let's just start with the mission, right? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here, guys? And let's just say you're listening to this right now and you're like, yo, if I can get $20,000 in my hands and, and I can start this business, like I can quit my job one day or I can supplement my income help my kids with college, or I can pay off my mortgage, right? Like, so let's just say, you know, that's you, you know, you're looking for $20,000. And like, when I started my business, I didn't have investors banging on my door. Um, you know, I, I had to use 0% credit card. And at the end of the day, like, there's not a lot of options when you start a business, right? So let's just say you need $20,000 to start your business. And, you know, you work in the, uh, the healthcare space. If you're in the healthcare space, you either have 403B or 401K. And, you know, let's just say you've got, you know, $50,000 just chilling in this account. And it's just been out of sight, out of mind. You haven't really paid attention to it. And you don't work for that company anymore that gave, gave you those funds. Um, so what you can technically do if you are an entrepreneur is you can take that $50,000 401K or 403B and get your hands on $20,000 from that account, penalty and tax-free. And then use that money however you want, which includes using it to fund your business. Right? So how does that work? Well, it's pretty simple. You take the 50000 from the retirement account that your job gave you. You no longer work there. You move it over into what's called a solo 401k. A solo 401k is a retirement account for entrepreneurs, IRS approved. 
once you've got the 50K inside the solo 401k, now you can take out a certain amount of money from that plan, penalty and tax-free, where essentially you're your own bank. And here's how it works. The IRS will let you take 50% of the account value or 50,000, whichever number is less, from that solo 401k. So 50% on 50,000 is 25,000, right? So we can get our hands on 20,000 out of that plan, right? So that, let's just say you take 20,000 out of the solo 401k, penalty and tax-free, and you use that money to fund your business. Well, you're your own bank because the IRS says in order for you to take out the 20000 from your solo 401k penalty and tax-free, you have to pay back the solo 401k within five years. And as long as you do that, there's zero penalties and taxes. So it's a five-year loan. The interest rate is prime plus two. So right now we're telling people the interest rate's about 5.25%. The interest rate's fixed and the interest goes back to your retirement account. So essentially, you're taking money from your right pocket, putting it in your left pocket, and you're not paying any penalties and taxes, and you're using the money how you want to use the money, not how Wall Street wants you to use the money, not how the government wants you to use your own money. You're using it how you want to use it, and then you're replenishing your retirement account back. You're paying it back so you're not robbing from the future. So it's just a nice card to have in, in your back pocket. So kind of piggybacking off of that, and those those were some really good gems that you just dropped. What would you say? Because I, I think you're you're so spot on when you talk about you know the fact that the government, you know, and and your CPA and your financial advisor, like they may not tell you all of these things, you know, or there's certain things that we don't know, like we can't help what we don't know. And so what I want to ask you is just from from your standpoint and your perspective, what would you say are probably the top three biggest myths and misconceptions that <clears throat> a lot of people have towards um, being able to get that tax-free money? Or matter of fact, a lot of, let me rephrase that. What would you say are the top three myths and misconceptions that people are given by their CPAs and financial advisors? Um, you know, I would say on the financial advisor side, um, number one is they, people think that there's only a certain menu. Like you go to your favorite restaurant, you grab a menu, right? You got appetizers, entrees, salad, right? And let's just say you're at this restaurant and there's only one side of the menu. It's just the front, right? You flip it over and there's nothing there, right? That's how most people have their money set up with Fidelity, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, Robinhood, right? Like you just have one menu to work with. And most people think, okay, well, they only gave me this menu. So this must be all the cooks, you know, make that there. Well, that's not true. You go to a different restaurant, you can actually have that same menu, but you can flip over the menu. There's a whole other list of items that you didn't even know existed. Right. So people think that there's only so much that they can use their money for with their retirement accounts. They think I can only invest in the mutual fund, stocks, and ETFs. Um, that's not true. You know, you can use your retirement account to invest in crypto and kill it and make money tax free. You can use your retirement account to fund your business. You can use your retirement account to pay off high interest rate credit card debt. I can't tell you how many people we talk to that are paying the credit card companies 20% in interest. Meanwhile, they're, they're making 8% a year on the retirement account money. Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, we're losing money faster than, than you're making money. 
Um, you can use your retirement accounts to invest into real estate and the private business, right? Like, so you can do so much more with a retirement account than what we're told. So that's myth number one. Um, myth number two is kind of what I talked about earlier as far as the ability to pull money out of a retirement account now and not have to wait until you retire. Um, that's, that's documented. Like, that's legit. IRS approved. That can be done. Um, and the, the thing about it is what I just explained earlier, it's not like it came out last year. It's brand new. This has been around for decades. It's just information that most people don't know. Um, myth number three is people are led to believe that their retirement account, they're not paying fees. And that's because when you get your statement in the mail or online, Wall Street doesn't really spell out the fees. A lot of it's hidden. Okay. And uh, there's some ways for you to actually see the amount of money you're paying in fees. And most people don't even know they're paying thousands of dollars a year in fees. And they think that they're paying a fraction of that or they're barely, barely paying any fees at all. So it's just, um, it's a game that, you know, the big financial, you know, wealth companies, Wall Street that they play, um, but they're really good at. And they just kind of prey on us being not savvy and not asking questions and, you know, if we don't know, we don't know. And that's the way, the way they want it. To kind of piggyback off of that answer, because you just said so much. And I, and, I, and I would hate for people listening to miss in, on what you just talked about. Because I think that leads to kind of like how you're talking about the other side of the menu, right? <clears throat> One, um, especially with a lot of these institutions, banks, all that, like they make money off these fees. So obviously, if you have no idea that we're paying it, we're just being robbed blind in daylight on a Tuesday. So then what would you suggest? Somebody comes to you then and says, okay, I have $20,000 just sitting in a mutual fund because that's what my fiduciary responsible advisor told me. That's what I should do with it, right? And they said, hey, this one opportunity, what would you tell me to do with that 20 grand? I have seen that mutual fund. What would your advice to them be then? Um, I mean, I always like to just start from the foundation. Um, you know, there's been a ton of conversations that we've had over the years where somebody approaches us, brings that this up. And then like one of the first questions is, what is your debt situation? Like? Right. Like that same person might have $10,000 in credit card debt that's bringing down their credit score and they're paying 15% interest, 20% interest. And the debt is consumer debt, not making the money. So it's like, what's the point of having that 20000 invested in, you know, wherever, and you're trying to make money with that money. Meanwhile, you're for sure losing money on your credit card debt, plus your credit score is going down. And I think people underestimate the power of a credit score. Like I just refinanced my house. I'm saving a lot of money on interest over the years. And I was able to do that because of my personal credit score, right? Your personal credit score is made up of a few things, right? Making payments on time, but utilization rate is huge. Right. So like your limits on your credit cards compared to your debt, the more debt you have, the higher your credit utilization is and the higher your credit utilization is, the lower your credit score is. And a low credit score can hurt you in a lot of different ways. It can make your insurance higher. It can hold you back from getting an apartment, you know, your car insurance, getting a loan from the bank for business needs, getting a loan from the bank by a house, getting a loan from the bank for a car. Right. Like. This dude over here has good credit and this dude over here has bad credit. The person that has bad credit, their life is just inherently harder, right? It's like they're swimming a race 
and the dude with bad credit has like a 20 pound weight vest and he's trying to beat the dude swimming next to him and then lay next to him and the dude next to him has freaking fins and a hat and you know probably shaves his arms and like dude he's gliding uh, he, he has no weight holding him back right so that's how you have to look at a credit score um so just circling back to what you were saying earlier paul Number one, I'm not a financial advisor. Um, our company is set up intentionally to educate, uh, to provide the people the information that they need to make a decision that's best for them. Because, you know, this person that comes to us, their situation is, is different than the person, you know, that we talk to tomorrow, right? So we don't sell investments, we don't sell stocks, we don't sell real estate. We just sell solutions. And we try to find out where people are coming from, help them understand what's out there, what's possible, so they can be empowered to make a decision. But to be direct with your question, now, I would start with basics, like what does that person's core financial look like? What's their debt situation look like? How much interest are they paying in their debt? What's their credit score look like, right? And then the obvious factors like their age and their risk tolerance and things like that. But you know, that's, that's a separate conversation, maybe with somebody else. Um, maybe they're not even at that point, you know? Maybe we got to start with basics. Knowing, knowing everything that you know now and having gone through everything that you've gone through to get you to this point, if you could go back to when you first became an entrepreneur, what advice would you have given to yourself? Doing a, a, a better job understanding the, the numbers, the finances, the stats, right? A lot of times as an entrepreneur, we get so caught up in making sales, putting out this fire, putting out that fire. Oh, there's this cool marketing strategy. Let's, let's, let's learn about that. Oh man, this social media is popping. Instagram, Twitter, oh shit, YouTube. Oh man, we got TikTok, right? Like you just get pulled in all these different directions. I gotta start a podcast. I gotta write a book, right? Like all of these different directions you get pulled, right? The numbers matter. Right? Like that's that's something that I've had to get better at. I'm nowhere near to where I need to be. Actually, I'm a lot further along than where I was three years ago. But like the things that really matter are velocity, your cash flow, your, your profitability, you know, really understanding your PL, you know, putting together a budget, you know, just doing the the boring, monotonous stuff. And uh, it is tedious. It does take some time. Um, and you have to realize what you're good at and what you're not good at. And uh, that's not a specialty I have, which is why, you know, I hire people that have a certain skill set that I don't have because um, that's how the company is going to get better. So, you know, really just understanding the numbers um, and, uh, you know, making sure that your, your books are on point, you know, you use QuickBooks or whatever you use, you know, you got to make sure that your numbers tell the story because that's how you can make decisions on doing something, not doing something, putting something off, investing, hiring, you know, growing, giving raises, increasing that, decreasing this, like you have to be in the trenches and knowing your numbers. What would you say is a unique way or a unique method you use to try and stand out in your market or in your space? You know, customer service, customer experience is, is massive, especially in 2022. Um, how many times do we have an issue? We have a question and we reach out to a company and like, I was just doing this the other day. Like, I'm just trying to talk to a human being. I'm just trying to talk to a representative and, and, and maybe you guys have done this too. Like you're on the phone with a robot and you're like representative and they're like, we're sorry for direct your call. Please tell us the following. Do you need help with this, this bill pay? I'm like, bill pay representative. And like next thing you know, it's like 10 minutes. I'm like, dude, this is some bullshit. Like just let me talk to freaking Bob. You know what I mean? So 
Um, you know, we've really taken pride on customer service. Um, all of our, our employees are local. We live in Las Vegas. All my employees live in Vegas. Um, you know, our customers can call, they can text, they can email, and a real human being is going to give them a call back or respond to them. Right? Like people just want to be heard. We're not perfect. We may make mistakes for sure, but you know, every minute counts. And, uh, and I think a lot of people, technology is cool, right? Technology is great. You can automate, be more efficient. Like it, it saves a lot. But I think a lot of people rely on technology too much where people crave that, that human interaction. So, you know, just being there for people and just making them feel that they're not just a number. Like we know their story, we know their situation, and we're going to do the best that we can to, to help them out at, at that point in time. All these things considered then, obviously, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you got a lot going on, got the home life as well. The thing I think people need to know then, um, it might be helpful, is how do you still keep yourself balanced or how do you prioritize different things at the same time? You know, I really don't think that there's balance. Um, you know, sports, again, is something I would go back to. Tim Grover is amazing. He has some really good books. I'm sure some of you guys listen to this right now. I've read some of his books. But one thing that he's talked about before, um, I forgot if he did it on a podcast or a book. He's like, what happens when the scale is balanced? Like, it's zeros. Like, he's like, balance is overrated. Balance doesn't exist. Like, if you're balanced, it's zero. Right. And that's one thing that I've learned personally and just studying the greats is there's always going to be something that's off. Right. Like there's always going to be sacrifice and something is, is always going to be off. Right. Like it just can't be balanced. So, you know, um, to me, the way I would answer that question is it's all about being present. Right. You know, if, if I have time on a Sunday to, to chill with my 12 year old daughter, like I'm going to be present. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to be like watching the, the football game. Like it's me and her doing our thing. Right. It might only be an hour. It might only be two hours, but like, I'm going to give her my, my attention, you know, date night with the wife. Like I'm going to be present. Um, that my family realizes, and this is where you have to make sure that your, your team, whether it's your, your family members, your employees, your friends, like they just know, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Like my family knows I'm trying to be great in business. I'm only three years in business. My business is still a baby. So I'm going to be gone a lot, right? They're not going to see me as much. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing, family. I'm doing what I'm doing to provide this kind of lifestyle for us, right? So you have to make sure that you give the vision to the people that matter then obviously you got to deliver, right? Like that's going to suck for them if I'm gone all day, all week, all month, and we're broken shit, right? So, you know, you got to still come through for your, for people that matter. Um, but to me, balance is really, really tough. Um, nothing that I try not to sacrifice. Again, I, I might miss a workout, but, you know, mental health is a big thing. Uh, exercising, getting out there, you know, running, walking, going to the gym, swimming. Like you have to have mental health um, in a good spot, especially in this day and age, you know, stress and, and anxiety right now is at an all time high. Um, you know, so we, we have to invest in ourselves. So that's something I try not to compromise is, you know, letting that, uh, you know, go, go off the, the deep end. First off, shout out to Tim Grover because he, I love Tim Grover. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up, uh, his name because the way that he thinks is such a, out of the box style of thinking, but it's amazing because it's so true. You know, um, I read, I read Relentless, and I as soon as I saw he was coming out with another one, 
I made sure I got winning as well. So I love the reference to Tim, Tim Grover. Um, and I agree, you know, I don't think when you're an entrepreneur, there necessarily is that balance, especially, you know, when you have goals and, and milestones that you're trying to accomplish. So that's a extremely valid point. Yeah, um, real, real quick, Carl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Job. I got this cool no. Tim Grover story to, to tell the audience. So I met Grover at an event here in Vegas probably about three or four years ago. And at the event, we had lunch. And next thing you know, I'm eating my food and at a table and Tim Grover sits. And it's like, I'm right here and he's at the same table. And we just start chopping it up, you know, 20, 30 minutes. I'm asking some really cool questions. Like, right, man, like, what's the difference between D-Wade and Kobe? What's the difference between Kobe and MJ, right? Like, I'm a big basketball fan, right? So I'm like asking him kind of like nitty-gritty questions. We talk tops 20 minutes. And I don't talk to him again the rest of the day. I was my interaction with okay? The next year, I go to a different event. And he's a speaker. And he does this thing. And we're walking by the hall. And I just happen to walk by him. And I was like, what's up, Grover? And just gave him, give him uh, you know, nothing, right? And he's like, what's up, Daniel? And I stopped. And I was like, what? I'm like, Grover, how do you, how do you remember me, man? Like, and, and I remember this like it was yesterday, bro. Like the words I used, I was like, dude, how do you remember me, man? Like, I'm a nobody, right? Like, how do you, you know, I'm thinking back, I'm like, we only hung out 20 minutes a year ago. Like, we talked to freaking thousands of people. Like, how do you remember me, man? Like, I'm a nobody. Like, look, I literally used, I'm a nobody. That's just what came to my head. And he stopped me and he looked at me in the eyes. He's like, first off, you're not a nobody. And that was it. And I always remember that. I was just like, damn, like we all get imposter syndrome. Like no matter how much winning you do, no matter how successful or not successful you got going on, like we all have imposter syndrome where we feel like we're not doing good enough or we did something where like, shit, I could have done better or you know, I, I get caught up in that, you know, like where it's easy to just like catch myself for even if it's like a second, two seconds comparing myself to somebody else. Like, damn, like they're crushing me. They're doing way better than me. Like, damn, like, you know, and you start kind of, you know, listening to that little voice of doubt, like, and I'm nobody. And it's just like, no, man, like if you're listening to this right now, you might not be where you want to be, but you're somebody. Like there's someone that looks up to you. There's someone that counts on you. You know, there's someone that is watching you that's like, damn, that person makes me motivated. That person inspires me. They might not tell you, you don't know, but like, you know, you are somebody. And, uh, you know, that was something that, that Grover indirectly taught me. And uh, so the dude's got a great memory, right? Like, there's just, like, how, how do you remember me a year later? You know, that just tells you he's, paid, he's got a ten, great attention to detail, right? A hell of a memory. I couldn't think of a better way to end the show. That was, that was amazing. Um, Daniel, man, thank you so much for making the time to come talk to us. For anyone that this is their first time being exposed to you, what's some contact or uh, social media information you would want to leave with them? Yeah, head over to danielblue.me. Uh, it's Daniel Blue, just like the color, danielblue.me. That's my personal website. Uh, gives you access to my book, uh, my course, a um, bunch of free content, my social media handles. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram under Daniel Blue. Um, also, if you've got a retirement account and you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't know I could access money account tax free. I want to learn more. You know, there's a link there that could uh, give you some help. Um, so that, that website is going to have all the information there. And again, that's danielblue.com. Perfecto. Man, we really appreciate it. There's a lot of people that are going to get some good value out of this episode. So once again, you know, thanks for spending the time with us. Thank to you for, uh, our 
Of course, to our lovely listeners, it's that time of the show where we bid you goodbye. Um, do us a favor. If you enjoy this episode, reach out to Daniel, you know, let him know, uh, reach out to him for all of these great tips that he gave. And, you know, especially if you need help, like he was saying, um, clearly he's one of the gurus in his space. So don't hesitate to reach out to him. But until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.